Should a pastor receive a salary from the church? Join us as we look into that today on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. God has called some to serve full-time in the ministry, but is it okay for them to receive a salary from the people they serve at church? And are there times when the pastor may need to pick up a job on the side to meet their financial needs? We'll talk about that today on Abounding Grace as we near the end of our study in 2 Corinthians. One thing that jumps off the page in chapter 12 is the Apostle Paul's heart for the people he served. He didn't want to be a burden on them and not seeking what they have though he gave everything he could to serve them. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. With your Bibles open in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we left off in verse 14. And we don't often associate strength with weakness. Really, as you say that, strength and weakness, they sound like polar opposites. The question is, how can I be my strongest when I'm my weakest? But that's exactly what we learned last time as Paul was giving us an insight of what it was like to have this thorn in his flesh. And whatever the thorn was, the Bible isn't clear, doesn't tell us what the thorn was, but we know from the original language it was a great enduring pain that required perseverance. It was so difficult and not removed that God, when hearing the cries of Paul to have it removed, he answers not to remove the pain, but to insert himself. And what a difference between my strength and God's strength. What a difference between God's faithfulness and my faithfulness. What a difference between the reality of my trusting in him and God sustaining me. Well, I like how Alan Rethpath put it in his commentary, and he says, I quote, Do you see the humor of the situation? God's grace and me. His grace is sufficient for little me. How absurd to think that it could ever be any different. As if a little fish could swim in the ocean and fear lest it might drink it dry. The grace of our crucified, risen, exalted, triumphant Savior, the Lord of all glory, is surely sufficient for me. Do not think it rather modest of the Lord to say sufficient. Well, that's what he said in verse 9. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul came to terms with his thorn in the flesh. It never says that he likes it. It never says that he approved of it. It really doesn't even say, the Bible doesn't say that he never wanted it gone again. It just simply says there in verse 9, with the answer and the clarity from God, therefore most gladly I'll boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches, in needs and persecutions, distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And Really, we didn't leave off in verse 14 last time. We actually left off. Pick up with me in verse 11. I have become a fool in boasting. You've compelled me. For I ought to have been commended by you 
For in nothing was I behind the most eminent apostles, though I am nothing. Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. For what is it in which you were inferior to the other churches, except that I myself was not burdensome to you? Forgive me this wrong." Paul's just about done. Not only is he just about done with the letter, but he's just about done defending himself. He didn't like it to begin with, and as he was doing it, he doesn't like it. And now getting into the end, you get a little dig, a little bit of sarcasm in his voice there in verse 13. Forgive me for this wrong, when he knows full well he didn't do any wrong. This whole thing of having to answer, to defend, to remind them of the truths. You know, back in verse, chapter 10, verse 1, he said, I, I just, just, I don't want to do this, but, but I will. They should have been, it says in verse 11, commending him. They, they should have been encouraging him. But instead, they were yielding to the false teachers and the things and coming against him and turning on him. It was pretty sad. He was the one, after all, that brought the gospel to this godless city. He was the one that put his life on the line. He was the one that committed himself, not knowing if he would ever leave Corinth. He's the one that invested 18 months of his life there. He was the one that was there when they were sick. And he was the one that was there when they were struggling. And he was the one that was there when they were caught up and their leadership was all messed up. And he wrote the first letter to him and said, you got to deal with this. you got to stand up for what is right. You need to get your church back on track. He was the one that lived a life above reproach. He was the one that had a testimony. I mean, on and on and on and on. And yet he's still in this place where he says, you know, I'm I feel, so, I feel like a fool. Why are you making me do this? And they put him in the position of defending himself. And when these liars, these false teachers came in, they shouldn't have re- the church shouldn't have received them. They should have rejected their false claims right then and there. Hold your places here. Go, go over to Romans with me, would you? Romans chapter 16. And, and you know, we, can, we look back in our lives, it would be very easy for us to look at a list of should-ofs and could-ofs. And the good news is, is we can learn, you know, example, learning by example is one of the best tools. Learning by experience is one of the best tools for you and I to grow in the grace of God. But here's the thing, we don't have to live by our own experience. We can live and learn by someone else's experience, someone else's success, and even someone else's failure. And, and here the church just received anyone that came in and undermined their own pastor. And Paul is standing up and going, I, I won't have any of that. This is wrong. Notice verse 16, or excuse me, verse 17 of Romans 16. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses. This is what they should have done. With those that are causing division, those that are causing offenses, those that are, note these ones that are doing these contrary to the doctrine which you learned. And notice, this is what they should have done. They should have avoided them, stayed away from them. Why? Verse 18. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by smooth words... And flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has been known to all. Therefore, I'm glad on your behalf. But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Why? Verse 20. God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Now, what a difference what he wrote to the Corinthians. 
when he wrote to the Corinthians, he goes, I feel like a fool. Why, am I, why are you guys making me do this? Why did you listen to them? For the Romans, he's like, look, there's going to be people coming in. They're going to try to cause divisions and offenses. Mark them, note them, avoid them. Because they just want to do damage. Paul lived his life with the true signs of a true apostle. He, he lived in perseverance. He was there for signs, wonders, mighty deeds. And it's almost as if you can hear Paul say back in 2 Corinthians, and you think I'm not an apostle? You really believe these guys? And then at the end, he gets a little sarcastic. And what is he sarcastic about? Well, notice in the verse 13, he says, for what is it in which you were inferior to other churches except that I gave myself and I wasn't burdensome to you? Remember, Paul told the Corinthians, I didn't take from you. Other churches supported me so that I could serve you. These false teachers that had come in had taken the attention of the church in Corinth and, wanted, and took for themselves, literally, money. They took for themselves money from the people. And, and even though the Bible is clear, the Bible is crystal clear on the church, us, we as a body of believers, supporting financially those that are dedicated to serving in the ministry, that's biblical. That's a biblical thing. That the, those that are serving in the ministry are to be supported by the ministry collectively through our tithes and offerings unto the Lord. It's something that goes all the way back to the very beginning when the tabernacle and the temple, the priests, the Levites were to be supported by the people. But be careful what the Bible doesn't say. The Bible doesn't say that ministers then are to take advantage of the church in the giving. That ministers and servants are then to become, well, re relying upon and requiring the church to serve them. Let me show you what I mean. Paul's already touched on this. Turn back to 1 Corinthians now, chapter 9. So yes, Paul made a choice for other churches to support him so that he could be a servant to the church in Corinth in those early days. Um, in those early days so that he might not be a burden to them. And they used it against him. Well, you know, there are other places where it says that the church is... And they're using even something that was good and honorable. And, and it's amazing how, how scheming the devil is. Using even something good against Paul. Well, he's already taught this. Look at 1 Corinthians with me. Chapter 9, verse 9. 1 Corinthians 9, 9. You know, just because there is the need to support the workers and the servants in the ministry doesn't mean that they take advantage of the congregation. Verse 9 says, For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about? Or does he say it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, verse 10, no doubt. This is written that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be partaker of this hope. And if we've sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? And if others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we haven't used this right, but endure all things lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not know, verse 13, that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple, and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar? Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. Verse 15, but I've used none of these things, 
Nor have I written these things that it should be done so to me, for it would be better for me to die than anyone should make my boasting void. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Now turn over to Galatians chapter 6. This is nothing new for the church in Corinth, but it's come up again. And, and you'll find as you systematically study through the Bible, verse by verse and chapter by chapter, there are specific themes that seem to be repeated. There are things that come up over and over again, and, and lest we get weary of being reminded, we want to be careful to receive the teaching as it comes. And notice verse 6 of chapter 6 in Galatians. Again, the principle, what the Bible says, what the Bible doesn't say. The principle of, of pastors and leaders and ministers being supported by the ministry. Verse 6, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he'll also reap. Did you know that that phrase, we often start quoting verse 7 when it really should start at verse 6. The idea of sowing and reaping has everything to do with the supporting of those that God has used in your life to encourage you, disciple you, and grow you as the opportunity arises. And those who give to you spiritually are to be blessed and given back to materially. That's a mark of living in the Spirit a desire and the decision to give and support the ministry. Again, be careful what the Bible doesn't say. That doesn't mean that the, those that are giving you spiritually are then to take advantage of that because at times Paul would even say, you know what, I, didn't, I, I had a right and I purposely did not use this right in order so that I, nobody would, would point a finger at me. But what happened? He didn't use the right and what did they do? They still pointed the finger at him because the Bible says accusations will come. And the best thing to do in your life is to live a life above reproach so that when accusations come, they have no truth to them. There's nowhere, you know, the devil doesn't have a place to hang his hat of accusation on. It just falls to the ground. Why? Because your life is different than the accusation. It stands in righteousness. And it's a blessing to be a part of a family of believers. Though we are, through, through this family of believers, I love uh, to be able to brag on God's faithfulness through your life. There, in 14 years of ministry, a little bit over 14 years now, there hasn't been a need that has ever gone unmet in the congregation here of any size, proportion, any need God has always provided. Week after week and month after month and year after year now, God has provided for far above just the needs of this congregation, but it spreads out all over into various places. Some things are known, but most things are very anonymous, just encouraging and supporting others in the ministry. Now, God has called me and many others here at Calvary Aurora to serve the congregation in a full-time capacity. And it wasn't always that way. You know, Calvary Aurora wasn't always that way. Uh, there was a season here in this, the beginning of this church when there was, there was a lot of people serving full-time, but no one able to take a salary or anything from the church because we didn't have anything. And every little bit that we had was going to pay the rent at the school or some of the things that we needed for outreach or ministry. And, and the pattern is always the same here. It's always the same. We work to provide for the needs of our family, and we serve the ministry to provide for the obedience of the calling of God upon our life. And so a very, very small percentage of the servants at Calvary Aurora, we have the privilege of serving in such a way where this is our full-time attention. And full-time is, is very much an emphasis upon that phrase. 
where you live and you breathe and you're living full-time. Now, remember the context of full-time ministry that we're all in the full-time ministry, every single one of us. But some of us, we have the privilege of receiving a paycheck uh, from Calvary Aurora, and we're blessed. We're here. We're available to serve you in your needs, your prayers, your concerns. That's why I'm here. That's why there's a pastoral staff here. That's why there's an administrative support here. That's why there's a whole other side of ministry support in our school where you have teachers and child care work. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. We have come a long way from printing the bulletins at a brother's garage and me studying in my basement with those gloves that had, I, I tried, the, it was so cold in my basement the first winter, that was where my office was, that I went out and I bought those gloves that the fingers were cut out of them. At least I could type, you know, because we don't want to turn that electric heater on. Because then the, you know, anyway, I'm I'm down there. I just want to let you know in case you wondered, you can't type with those things. You can't even move your fingers. And so I remember having to take them off. And we've, the Lord has blessed. He's come, we've come a long way. My office is not in, in the basement. I've graduated to the first floor now. I'm not in the basement anymore. And I have the opportunity to spend a lot of time when I'm here in the office here. I don't do any studying here because when I'm here, I don't want to lock myself in the office and, and avoid people. That's what my, my, my life is to serve people. So I get to spend some days during the week studying in my office at home and, and being able to study and focus and attention. And, and, and we've come a long way. And for that, we're very grateful. And I want you to know the people on staff here, is what we refer to them, we live by faith, depending upon the fellowship, you guys, to help supply for our needs through the ministry. And it's your faithfulness, your obedience to the Lord. We didn't make this up. The Bible is very clear. Like it wasn't something that this a group of people and says, you know, let's go ahead and take advantage of the people and, and we'll, just, we'll just gather their money and use it for ourselves. No, 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 not at all. No, we didn't. We, we, no, it was, th- this is something that the Lord has established. And because of your faithfulness, because of your loving and giving heart, you have full-time attention from so many people here. And here's how it works here. If the giving ever dips down or it ever goes below what our needs were at the current level, the people that are serving currently, they already know. It's the discussion we have when they come in the door. And it'll be the discussion hopefully we never have to have. But if it ever happens... We'll go get a job. That's what we'll do. We'll go do what we were doing before. We'll get a job to provide for the needs of our home. And my heart, hopefully, with that kind of challenge, we've never had to, but it is the discussion we have deeply with any pastor that comes on or, or any of the administrative staff. We're just like, look, we depend on the giving of the church. This is, and we believe this, this position and this opening is from the Lord, and we believe we have the resources, but... If anything ever happens, if the economy tanks or something happens, then we have, and we have to make difficult cuts, we're not going to cut the missionaries. They need our support. They're out there on the front lines. And a lot of the countries that we have people in, they can't work there. The, the visas and the things don't allow them to work. They are full. I mean, when, when we have a cut, when we have people up here and we're praying and they're going full time, most likely they're going to a place where they can't work. They won't be allowed to work. Their visas are different types of visas, educational visas or even religious visas. And so we're, we're not going to go, we're not going to cut the missionaries and, and we're, we're not going to cut things that are of necessity. A lot of us would just go get a job. That's what we were doing before, serving the Lord. That's what we can do again. And it's perfectly okay. And, and that's the discussion that we have. We don't want to be a burden like Paul says. We don't want to be in a place where that 
man, because of the finances, we put some heavy hand on you or, or we, we just, what we'll probably do is we start praying. We start praying like we do to bless those that are giving and Lord, stir those that don't. But the Bible tells us that we should give. And I would say this, if you decide, you just think, well, you know, I don't need to give, or I don't need to tithe, then you know what happens? God always provides someone else to make up the difference for your lack of faithfulness. He always does. I mean, your giving and my giving is between, between you and the Lord. And, and if we fail to participate in obedience with God, he'll always make, he, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He can take care of needs. But you don't get to share in what God's doing. You don't get to, you know, that we have to be careful because we can come up with so many different reasons why we don't give. You know, maybe you were burned in another church. You go, you know what, I'm not getting burned again, so I'm going to change my habits, and, and, and now I'm not going to give. And, and I'm sorry you got burned. I hope you never get burned again. I hope you never get burned here. But that's no reason to disobey God. Or, you know, so I, I remember uh, having to talk with someone not too long ago, and it's actually more common than not, but we're, we're talking about giving, and, and in the topic of giving, this brother said, well, you know what, Pastor? I tithe my time so I can use my money however I want. I'm like, where's that in the Bible? You know, it's like First Me, chapter 5. <laughs> I mean, you tithe your time. What does that mean? I thought Jesus died for my life. I thought every hour, I don't tithe my time. He owns 24-7 in my life. Like he, everything of mine is his. And so I, I can't be making a, you know, looking at this. And, and there's always, you know, good challenges. An unexpected bill or, or, you know, misusing credit cards or whatever. There's always things. But listen, Paul says that it is biblical. It is right. It's the right thing to do to use the tithes and offerings for those that are serving you full time and the families and the children and those that, that they live, we live by faith. And it's a good thing to live by faith. And I know many of you live by a deeper level of faith even in that where you're working hard and you're serving in the church and you might have to pick up an extra job and then you're losing sleep over here. And I just want you to know all of your giving, all of your service, all of your sacrifice is not being done unto a church or unto a man. You are serving your Father in heaven and he will reward you openly one day. And I know you're not serving for rewards, but I'll tell you what, there are rewards awaiting you. I don't know how God works it out. I know he doesn't want to carnally even motivate us. But spiritually, he's the one that taught us about rewards. You know, he's not using them like the world does. But, but you know, the, the reality of rewards are what? We're just going to lay him down at the feet of Jesus anyway. But I want to take an armful, you know. I don't want to just flip a little reward there, a little, you know, gold nugget. I, I want to lay these crowns before the Lord and say, these belong to you, Jesus. The only way that I could have them is because of your grace and your goodness and so be careful, because although Paul had to defend himself, even though he didn't take from the Corinthians, even though he could have taken more, in the life of this church plan, he decided not to. And, and the guys that are going out and planting churches from here, they're getting a job. That's what they, they were serving here. This was their job. But in order to start that ministry out by faith, they're getting a job. And that's how they're going to start laying the foundation for their congregation. They're working to provide, put food on the table, take care of them, and then at the same time plant the church. And then over time, the Lord is just so faithful. And they get to pray and maybe go half, maybe take a little bit of a salary. And then before you know it, man, they're, it's such a glorious day when they put in their two-week um, 
their two-week notice and saying, you know what, in two weeks, man, they can come to the church and announce, I'm going to be that no more. I'm going to be fully committed. I have all of my time and attention because God has provided the needs to this congregation. You're listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. If you joined us late or would like to hear this message again, turn to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Or you can listen through our app, too. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. If you take a brief moment to write or call, that would make our day. Let us know the station you're listening to and if today's study was a blessing to your life. We'd also love to pray for you. You can email us through our new website at AboundingGraceRadio.com by clicking on Contact. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of The Third Option by Miles McPherson. In it, Pastor Miles speaks out about the racial divisions in today's world and encourages us to see people as God sees them. It contains awesome practical takeaways and exercises to help you understand the points of views of others. I think you'll also be inspired and encouraged to make positive changes in our country, starting with yourself. Again, ask for a copy of The Third Option when you call today at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Your generosity helps us provide the teaching of God's Word on stations all across the nation. We're constantly hearing from listeners that have been helped and are growing by God's abounding grace. Thank you for standing with us. Making a donation to the ministry is easier than ever, as you can now do so through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Tell a friend about these daily studies, and then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from 2 Corinthians. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.